listening to Fox Sports Radio. And so according to several reports, the Eagles are hiring Colts offensive coordinator Nick Sariani as their next head coach. He will take over in Philly after a rough year in the departure of Doug Peterson. I wonder what Fez thinks of this. <laughs> Can't hear him. All right. <laughs> to me, this is all about Carson Wentz. Ultimately, if you read the insider reports, and these are public reports, about why was Peterson fired, it was a matter of him and Carson Wentz had a relationship that wasn't going to work anymore. And I'm not sure if the contract wasn't so substantial for Wentz. And remember, this year and next year, it's practically impossible to extricate themselves from that contract. And even if there's a trade, there's ramifications of you know dead money. So it's one of those situations where if you got to stick with this guy and th- that guy and the other guy have a problem, well, you got to choose. So I like it because if they did choose Wentz, which they did, then why not just finish the job? Why not get him a Frank Wright guy, the OC? Because as everyone t- seems to want to mention now, and I think it's very correct, Frank Reich had such a big part of the Eagles' success, Carson Wentz's second year, the year that was the almost MVP year. And Reich, is my understanding, his focus was third down plays, third down conversions, and they had a historic season the Eagles did that year, converting a bunch of third and longs. And that's something the Eagles have never been able to do with Wentz since, and he's never been all that effective since. What do you think, Jonas? Yeah, and, and I also wonder, I think it comes down to a couple of things. Uh, Sirianni was hired because they really believed he could be the guy and could sell them on on keeping Carson Wentz and building up his confidence again and turning him back into the quarterback that they think he is as a franchise guy. And also, the GM there, Howie Roseman, has a lot of power and a lot of control, and there's been more and more rumblings out of Philadelphia that that was some of the issues. Chip Kelly talked about it years ago. Doug Peterson and and Howie Roseman, there was discussions that maybe there was a little bit of a back and forth, and Doug wanted more control over what was going on and how he wouldn't get it. So it does make me wonder, did Sirianni take the job because he's a young guy and he's not going to push back against Howie Roseman? So I wonder a little bit of that. Oh, is that why he took her? Is that why it was offered to him? That could be it, too. Right. I mean, and I'm not sure. I'm just saying is in a way, if you're a power trying to consolidate power, you don't bring in a Bill Parcells. You don't bring in a strong coach. Exactly. Which is what we all thought Green Bay did was bring, you know, if the conflict with Aaron Rodgers and the coach brings in a lesser coach or a coach with lesser experience and power. But obviously, LaFleur has exceeded all expectations there. You know, you read the reports more deeply than me. My understanding is that Peterson, uh, you know, a week before, let's say right before that Sunday night game and the debacle with the fourth quarter and the backup quarterback, before that, the odds were strong Peterson was coming back. How yeah. often does a guy get fired a couple, you know, in, that made the playoffs? It might be the first time in history a guy made the playoffs last year. And won a Super Bowl three years before. So the not the year before that, but the year before that. So you win the Super Bowl, and then I think they miss the playoffs, right? The next year. Then they make the playoffs 
and you get fired. How often does that happen? And how often do two back to does an organization fire coaches back to back with winning records when they at the time they were fired? Oh, the chip. That's interesting. So, which is making your point about the power struggle. You know, I also read the owner wasn't so happy with Peterson, but I also my understanding was that. They Peterson just was fighting for the right to select his own assistant coaches. Yeah. So it wasn't so much he wanted more power; he just didn't want power taken from him. It exactly. Seems. Yeah, and and it and it look it feels like Doug Peterson has already said he's probably going to be off this year. But I would I would imagine going into next season, Doug Peterson's going to be a really hot commodity. He's going to be a guy who's sought after. He did things in Philadelphia nobody had done. And we can say whatever we want about, well, you know, they had such a talented roster. He was the head coach that coached a backup quarterback to a Super Bowl. And so that, to me, says something. So I feel like Doug Peterson's going to be fine after all this. Yeah, so to be clear, I was wrong about that. They made the division round because remember – when it was against, uh, when if I recall now, it was Foles quarterbacking again, right? And they, they yes. beat the Rams as 10-point underdog. Okay, so 17, you win the Super Bowl. This is the Eagles now. Against Tom Brady with yep. a backup quarterback. Yep. In 18, you shocked, really effectively, the world by making the playoffs with Carson Wentz hurt, and uh, they lost in the division round. So they got to the second round. Then they lost in the wild card round, Super Bowl, division round, wild card round, one bad year, and you're gone. I don't think that's ever happened. And also, if I mean, you Bill go- Parcells, or I'm sorry, maybe Parcell, um, I'm sorry, Jimmy Johnson with the Cowboys, right? And, and if you go back to that 2018 season after they won the Super Bowl, in that game against the Saints, if, if people recall, they had an opportunity to go down the field. They had a lead early and an opportunity to go down the field late and actually take the lead and potentially beat New Orleans and get back to the NFC title game. But there was a drop by Alshon Jeffrey that turned into an interception, and that's why they ended up losing that game. What he, what he did there was outstanding. And so it just is a little odd that in two consecutive of coaching tenures, two guys with winning records who had success ended up getting clipped after that season. So I just I, I wonder what that means moving forward. But this to me feels like, and you alluded to it, there's got to be something connected to Carson Wentz here that they've decided we want to move forward with Carson Wentz. Who's going to be the guy who's going to be able to bring him back? And the only quibble I would have with what you're saying is I don't think they decided that. I think that was a forced decision by the reality of that contract. There's just yeah. no way they could bring in another quarter. You know, no way they could let that money be dead effectively. Yeah. As you were talking about why the Eagles should have won a game, and you were talking about individual plays, it made me think of Fez. So should we bring him back in? It's not the same. It's your decision, him. Jonas. It's not the same without him. We need Fez. All right, Fez. What's your take on this? I think the injuries that the Eagles have had should have gone ahead and given Peterson well, more, yeah, but he, more but, time. But boy, even with no injuries, who doesn't have a bad? I mean, if you're not built, well, first off, let's be candid with a below average quarterback, at least effectively on the field, to even make the. I get it, it was a bad division. I get still to be 500 is that, you know, think about it with a bad quarterback, Mike Tomlin. Was eight and eight last year, and people were talking coach of the year. Yes, with a great defense. So the Eagles with a quarterback. Let's be honest. This year, no better than Mason Rudolph was last year. Yeah. To to, to you know, and then the year before, I think Carson Wentz played. I know Carson Wentz played better, but still to make the playoffs, 
this is like literally if it's Jimmy Johnson after Super Bowls and then who else has been fired, this is personality or this is the conflict with Wentz. But it probably was a sign of hubris, meaning if you're Peterson and you've got a guy you know, the one guy in the building you probably can't win a battle with is Wentz. And somehow he got into a battle with Wentz. Yes. So to me, I don't fully understand. Maybe it all started with, you know, let's be candid by drafting that quarterback is Hurts. It, it created this entire situation because if you didn't have Hurts, you wouldn't have probably bench Wentz, right? For whom? Not Nate Sudfeld. So let, yeah. So let's assume, and we're straight out of Vegas talking with Steve Fezzik in studio. Let's assume you're right. It's absurd that he got fired if it wasn't for reasons other than results. And obviously, it was for reasons other than results. Anything else? Just that even if they hadn't won the Super Bowl, I think we could have a conversation over the last three years. Yeah, probably he gets fired well, based upon so. the on-the-field. So, so that you, to make the playoffs three out of four years, you get fired? Even if you don't win the Super Bowl? I'm, no, I'm saying if I just delete the entire Super Bowl year and he had only well, but been that, a coach Why would that years. be absurd, though? Or, or why, why would that even be a consideration? Let's say they lost against Atlanta. The thing we talk about all the time is Atlanta was inside the 10-yard line against Philly that year, with favored with two minutes less to score and win that game. Yes. Okay. If Atlanta scores there, you have first-round exit, uh, second-round exit, First round exit, miss the playoffs. No one gets fired for that. Good Nobody resume. does. Nobody gets fired. O'Brien had something similar, and he doesn't get fired unless he makes the most atrocious trades in the history of the world as the quote unquote GM. Yes. So, what do you think the win total would be with the Eagles? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think the having the coach matters. I think it'd still be seven and a half. Straight out of Vegas! Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Did you catch when where Colin said, I believe the NFL should postpone the conference championship game if Patrick Mahomes is not available to play. I did and hear him And Dan Patrick that. was talking about it. Did you hear about this? I heard, I heard him make the comment, yeah. What was your thought? It's crazy. Crazy? Colin's yeah. crazy? <laughs> I mean, Okay, yeah. let's see, one, what the basic premise of his comment is, which is NFL is a television show first and a sporting event second. Right. So, for example, as he used as an analogy, if you're going to see Jay-Z or something, they don't put the backup Jay-Z singer in if he's got laryngitis. They cancel the show. All right. So do you feel like that the NFL is more sporting event or is it more TV show slash entertainment? I think it's a little of both. And which one is more? You're hedging. Um, which one's more? More of a sporting event. Okay. So let's think about this a second. Um, college baseball is a sporting event. NFL is also partially a sporting event. College baseball generates net negative money. It costs more to buy the bats and the balls than it is to play. And the NFL makes billions. If we just said, why is that? Wouldn't we say it's more entertaining? It's actually effectively more of a TV show? 
Yeah, TV's a big part of it. Yeah. yeah and it's something that is very successful on TV. Yeah. Right? So, Agreed. so to me, I agree. If you take away the sporting event element, you got wrestling and now, you know, pro wrestling, and that doesn't work. I agree. But boy, as you're weighing the two things, sporting event, TV, you better give, or entertainment, TV, whatever, you better give TV its due. Yeah. So here's my proposal to make his comment, I think, work without a lot of debate. Entering the playoffs, each of the teams get to designate two players as key personnel. So usually it's going to be your quarterback and one other player. And if that player is hurt for only the conference championship week, all right, only that, and he's viable to play before th- or Thursday or before. So Sunday's the game. If he could play Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday, you simply say, okay, it's one of the two. You have the right to do it if you want. You can move this game to Thursday. Now, every team would have an equal chance to do this. Every team would only get two players. You can't just do it because it's Mahomes now and retroactively. But wouldn't that be exciting, the idea that there's the Sunday game, then there's the Thursday game, and then since the Super Bowl is going to be 10 days away anyway, it's not like the rest is an issue. I think that works. What do you think, John? I, I mean, it would be exciting, but you know, you could put a pit of crocodiles in each end zone, and that would be exciting too. But it's but just, it would be yeah. exciting. You would take a negative, like not having one of the two key and make it a positive. Why wouldn't you? I wonder how many. If we're just using COVID as an example, how many games would have had different outcomes if certain players had played this season if they had the same rule into effect? And in a way, that's a lamento, isn't yeah. it? Don't we want the the best players? In, and listen, we can't postpone it for months. We can't. But the idea of of a flex of a of and what's fascinating is there'd be a whole. The week before the playoffs, that Wednesday or Tuesday, they'd have a TV show around each team announcing their two players. Because think of how exciting that would be to think, all right, it's the court. Like, would it be Mahomes and who? Tyreek Hill? Mm. Right? So who would they? Kelsey. Yeah, that's what that's the. Now that I want to tune in for. Yeah. That's it. I just took his (laughs) catastrophe, it seems, some thought. I love it. What do you think, Fez? You know, I'm thinking about COVID. You couldn't believe that I was going to make that work. (laughs) I I couldn't. And I'm thinking about, we already largely did this with COVID, right? We had games that got played on Tuesday and on Wednesday. So we were flexible with that. And listen, you can say, well, what about the fans? It's like most of the fans, if you're rich enough to fly into Green Bay to see a game, then you're rich enough to take a couple days off of work. And if you're local, it's no problem, right? Game's Thursday. And... Go ahead, Jones. Well, if this was if you were going to do it, this would be the year to do it because you're not impacting as many fans. Because, yeah, that's another. Yeah. But but remember, the Super Bowl you can't move, right? Because it's it's you know like Fox Sports Radio typical yeah. years are booking suites, you know all kind. It, it, I mean, I'm getting emails on that in August about the Super Bowl, right? Yeah. So I think the championship week's the one week you could do it. And I, to me, I'd be excited by it. I do think COVID has shown us. That all of this staunchiness, all of this three years ahead to, to, to have a, a college football game played, or five years ahead, it's absurd. I love that the, the Pac-12 did this well. And Pac-12, I think, didn't get great marks as the football season progressed. But at least if you were a football fan, 
But boy, oh boy, when they played that noon game on Sunday, I loved that. It was like a pickup. I mean, I've seen pickup games that had more, seemingly more lead time. BYU Coastal Carolina, one of the best games of the year. Now, I agree. And it was one of the most exciting parts of the game, of the season. One of the other things that I've wondered is this going to be a keeper just based on how many people liked it was the two Monday night games. Like, it would not surprise me if moving forward they did it at least more often. If not every week, they had, dual, they had two Monday night games back to back on Mondays. I personally would like that more than adding another day. Agreed. Right? Agreed. And again, I get it. Every day they add is billions of dollars, but there is killing the goose that laid the golden egg. Straight out of Vegas! Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. RJ, we are looking at the NFC Championship game, and we're not saying it was specifically because of this show, but the total did move slightly in that game between the Bucks and the Packers up to 51 and a half. Well, let's let's make a point here. Slightly lines don't move by more than half points at a time and probably the most valuable half point in totals in the NFL now is 51 wouldn't you say Fez yeah it it's I right there uh, used to be 44 you know way back in the day it was 37 <laughs> 37 plus two two extra touchdowns gets you to 51 there you so that's good that's context I like that true enough so uh, it's the sharp side if you actually look at the total of the Saints, versus Tampa Bay. What was the total on that game? 53 at closed. All right, so let's think. Who's got the better offense, Green Bay or uh, the Saints with Drew Brees and noodle-armed Drew Brees? Green Bay. And who's got the better defense, maybe the best defense in the NFL? So why? I'm confused. I get you're in the Dome, but the weather's not going to be an issue here. I mean, I think there was fear of weather that's but, not materializing. But yesterday we knew that it wasn't happening. You know, so I mean, again, we're talking about wind. So the first half, and this is shocking about how the Packers do in the first half versus the second half. So across the entire season, the Packers outscored opposition by 145 points in the first half. First half, they scored 145 points more of the pack. Second half. 12 points more. 145 to 12. That's why Green Bay's underrated, and that's why Green Bay is a first half play here at minus two. Why? Because they, this season, have let off the gas a little bit. Even though they've had clear wins, it's not like they actually, if you look at their win percentage chances throughout the fourth quarter, weighted average we do. Green Bay has the best. They they were more in control of games than anyone. Kansas City, anyone. But they didn't really play hard offensively in the second half. They were outscored in the fourth quarter, minus seven. Seven points outscored. Maybe the best team in football. So, I think in the playoffs, when they keep pressing in the second half, it's going to lead to overs. It's going to lead to... Extending the margin. But boy, you let me bet minus three with some extra vig, even three and a half for the game. Or you can say, well, let me see about 90% plus of the margin Green Bay generates is in the first half. Why not play minus two in the first half, wouldn't you say? Yeah, and it's minus two and a half is the number. Absolutely. Almost virtually the same. There's one and a halves out there. There there was a couple days ago, there were one and a half. All got gobbled up. Okay, that's what I'm saying. So we're talking in general. 
Thanks for being the line police. I think we do a pretty good job of uh, being fair about the line. So, I'm R.J. Bell. Okay. Jonas's point was he thinks Tampa is going to want to try to run the ball. I think he's right. And that's why I'm looking at maybe. Now, this feels counterintuitive. But I'm thinking about under in the first quarter. It's like, well, wait a minute. You're saying over for the game, under in the first quarter? Actually, that's exactly what hedge funds do. They bet one way and then the other, but the theory is the pricing makes it profitable. Now, the simplest thing a hedge fund might do is buy soybeans in one place for a dollar, sell them in another place for a dollar two, never have to touch soybeans. It's all in future contracts. That's old school. That's what they used to. But what they'll do is say, is there a correlation? But we like one side over the other. I like over for the game. Because I think when Tom Brady's thrown from behind, and I expect him to be behind, they're going to score a lot of points. Jonas's point is they're going to try to run early. I think you're right. So why not hedge against that fear by going under in the first quarter? Under 10 minus $1.20, right? Yes. Okay. So here's the question, and, and I think it's a fascinating one. You probably don't win both bets most of the time. But I think you win both so much more than you lose. If it goes over in the first quarter, I feel great that the game's going over. But I can see the first quarter going under and the game going over, especially with the way the pack pick it up in the second or in the second quarter specifically. So if you like only one or the other, just bet one or the other. But I'm going to be betting both, hoping to win both. Ten seconds, Fez. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. If we get 14 points in the first quarter, this baby should go flying over. You know what? If it's seven nothing, we win our first quarter under. But I, I'm fine with her over at that point. I agree. I think that this is advanced stuff. But the easiest thing for you to do, if you like one or the other, under first quarter or over for the game, go with that. Or if you want to bet like a pro, you can do it our way. Right out of Vegas. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live.